0: Listening to the Agent Survival Guide podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Rupel, and this is the Friday Five. It's our weekly list of five things you should know about. This week, we've got a special treat because I'm highlighting five things that caught my eye this week, and I was in need of some positivity and some distraction. So, this is going to be an interesting list. Number one, If you've been listening to the podcast for a length of time, you might have noticed that we're starting to publish more interview episodes. And as I'm branching out into this new territory, it's moving me beyond just the typical research I tend to do, having to formulate questions that make people want to answer them and keep a conversation moving forward. What's very cool about that process is that some of the research can also apply to talking with your clients and networking with others, so I'm going to share some of what I've been learning in that realm. Probably the hardest thing to practice is active listening, really hearing what your subject is saying rather than waiting for a chance to interject what you think. And that's because as much as you think you know where a conversation is going to go, usually nine times out of ten, you will end up somewhere unexpected. Those are the conversations that are meaningful. We tend to call that fact-finding when it's from the agent-client-relationship perspective. But when you get into those details and let the person you're talking with express their ideas and thoughts, you just can't script for that. Also, in those conversations, you'll learn details that you can bring up again in later meetings. Think Advisor recently published a piece with some questions that can push conversation forward. One of the most well-known, the famous three-word statement, tell me more. Because the thing is, when you're talking with someone who's passionate about what you're discussing, they will jump at that chance. What about if you're talking about vacation spots? Ask how they liked the place they stayed. Would they go back? And this is a great tactic for anything, really. Taking a generalized, high-level discussion and ask about a specific related detail that will allow the conversation to continue, only in more depth. You might even call it a fact-finding question. One more that I'll mention here, and this is a great one to keep conversation flowing, especially at a networking event. Talk about work and the industry is great, but if you're networking at a Chamber of Commerce event for, say, a local pet rescue, well, you can probably guess that they're into that. But what else are they interested in? What are their passions? Or is animal rescue the cause for them? We will be linking to that Think Advisor piece in the notes so you can check out the full list and get some ideas. I know I have gotten a few for upcoming interviews myself. Number two, this next piece is one that comes from Entrepreneur, always a great go-to for motivational articles. This one really hit home, though, because the author, Jackie Collin, makes the case for educating versus selling. It is an incredible business philosophy. It's really the idea that the entire content marketing methodology is based on. It is one we recommend to our agents, and it is a stance that the Agent Survival Guide team takes. Think about it. If you're selling something, it's kind of a finite transactional interaction. And yes, you could argue that there's the follow up after the sale. But if you've pressed so hard to just get the sale, what kind of follow-up will that be? On the other hand, education is something that the client or customer gets out of the situation, and they get it regardless if they buy or not. Quick example here, HubSpot is a go-to for learning about business marketing outside of a formal educational experience. I have learned so much from them that if anyone is just starting out with marketing or inquiring about where they can go to learn more, that is who I recommend. And not just because I benefited from it, but because their information is legit. They know what they're talking about. If you establish yourself as that source, that expert for your clients, that is going to go a long way. You'll have plenty to talk about when you're meeting with clients. And that is going to be a conversation you can refer back to during follow ups. And then each subsequent interaction is going to continue to evolve your relationship with that client because you're providing something of value to them. They're going to appreciate that and they are going to tell their friends. Number three. It is no secret that I love Instagram. I have stated that many a time here on the show. Even with the turmoil that comes along with a social media app, not just letting the app be what its users want to use it for. I doubt that I will ever get over that one. I often wonder, though, about the next big social media app. TikTok certainly took the world by storm, helped along in popularity by pandemic lockdowns and our need to connect. And I'm not against trying out new apps, especially new social media platforms, because you never know what the next big one is going to be. I did try out Be Real, the social media app that sends you a notification at a random time of day. Asking you to snap a photo, and it does so with the front and rear-facing cameras simultaneously, so you can't fake where you are. But I'm not talking about Be Real. I am talking about Dimensional today, a new social media app that contains a whole bunch of personality tests in one place. So far, I've made my way through Myers-Briggs, DISC, career archetypes, love languages, and there are still so many more that I have yet to take. And after you take these tests, you have your friends sign up, and they take them, and they're supposed to give you insight into how you relate to each other. I haven't done the latter of those two yet, but it's been an interesting process of looking through the results. Call it. Sort of a self fact finding experience, if you will. I'm not sure if I will add friends on it or not. I know that that is the social part of the app. It does seem to be quite a lot of data, so I'm kind of looking at it with a careful eye. As of 2020, the founders did not have a plan to monetize the data, so take that for what you will. So far, I've been enjoying the app and the insight that I have gotten from it. Number four. Not sure if I mentioned this one here on the show before, but I do not have a green thumb, not even close. This next piece is for those of you who are inclined in that way, and it has to do with hydrangeas. Sadly, our hydrangeas are the white variety, so this trick will not work for them. But if you've got pink or blue hydrangeas, you can actually change their color by altering the pH levels of your soil. Now, when I was growing up, our next-door neighbors had beautiful hydrangea bushes in pink, blue, and purple, and I never thought that the variety of colors or the changes in colors from year to year could have been brought about by changes in their soil, but they can, which is really cool, and you can even help those changes along. Now, the color change is limited to what are called big leaf hydrangeas or hydrangea macrophylla and hydrangea serrata varieties. Going further into that hydrangea macrophylla cultivar, the mop head and lace cap types were listed as having good results. So quick science lesson, when your soil has a lower pH, Your hydrangeas want to absorb aluminum from the soil to balance themselves out. And if your soil has a higher pH, the plant won't need to absorb as much aluminum. Flowers in lower pH soil that soak up a lot of aluminum usually present as blue. Those planted in higher pH soil will be pink. So to change the color of your hydrangeas, you just need to change the pH balance of your soil. And we will be linking to an article in the notes that outlines the proper and safe way to do that. Number five, I have slowly been working my way back to reading for fun when I get the chance. And it's still difficult for me to read in small portions when the plot starts getting really good. But I've been working at that because reading in little chunks is still better than not reading at all, right? So naturally, when I saw a post on Instagram from NPR with book recommendations from their staff, I had to click on it. And what I clicked into was even better than that. You know, usually you click into something and you're kind of disappointed. Well, here, I thought I was getting just this year's recommendations. Turns out the list goes back to 2013, so there are a whole range of book recommendations to make my way through. Altogether, the list boasts 3,020 books, so I don't think you'll have a problem finding something you like somewhere in that list. You can search by year at the top of the page or by subject on the left-hand sidebar. And yes, there is a young adult section, along with sci-fi, fantasy, and speculative fiction. So you can probably guess where my coming-of-age, dystopian future-loving self is going to begin my search. I will be making my list and then taking that over to Libby to see what I can find in my library. That is the app, again, that Tina reviewed in her Agent Apps episode a couple of weeks back, all about free library apps. I have been using Libby since I proofed that episode, and I have been loving it. We will be linking to that episode in the notes along with the book list from NPR, so be sure to check both of those out along with the other resources we mentioned in this episode. Thank you so much for listening this week. I hope you have a great weekend. Stay healthy and stay safe out there. And we will see you next week. The Agent Survival Guide podcast is a production of Ritter Insurance Marketing. This episode was written and produced by me, Sarah Rapel. Script editing by Tina Lamaru Artwork by Vivian Zhao.